Welcome to episode one of the Tune Project podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Abels. Thank you so much for joining me in today's episode. I am so excited to be starting this podcast. Today, my guests are Nathan Taylor and Jeff Wood from the band Almanac Ridge, based in Nashville, Tennessee. Since the group's inception in 2017, Almanac Ridge has sought to bridge the gap between traditional bluegrass music with new and evolving ideas. They look forward to the ever-changing soundscape of acoustic music, finding a home on the edge of tradition and innovation. With thoughtful writing, instrumentation, and harmonies, these two adopted appellations bring a live performance that is entertaining and welcoming, making you feel like you're jamming with friends in the living room. They've performed extensively through Nashville at private events, breweries, restaurants, as well as the Ryman Auditorium Plaza, opening for Billy Strings and Rhonda Vincent for the Ryman's annual Bluegrass series. Now, Jeff, Nathan, and I all went to Belmont University, and that's how we met and became friends and started playing music together. This was a fun episode to record. We all had a really fun time just playing music together and engaging in conversation about the music industry, so I hope you guys enjoy this. Nathan, where are you from originally, and what brought you to Nashville? Well, I'm from rural northeast Missouri, a little town called Perry, um, and I came here, like all of us, to attend Belmont University. Yeah. We're all just like a year apart. We climbed the little yeah, stepladder exactly. there at Belmont. So, I know you from the symphony, the Belmont yeah. symphony, because you were in the orchestra. Right. And then, Nate, I met you my freshman year. Mm -hmm. We're in the same circle of friends. I don't know if you knew that, Jeff. No. I'm from Greenville, South Carolina. Go Palmetto State, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) Um, And I, like many young people, full of dreams and wonder, moved here to Nashville to attend Belmont University, a fine academic establishment. Um, And that's actually, yeah. That's that's why I came here. I, I came here to go to school, and I, I guess I've decided to stick around a little bit longer. Yeah, Nashville's cool. Yeah, it it's fun. It's I feel like place. a lot of people that I know that have graduated from Belmont have just stayed and hung around just because it's fun. Yeah, it's even if city. they're not doing music. Yeah, yeah, it's a good place to be. Back to you, Nate. Hey, what or who first got you into music? How far back do we go? Like, why did I ever take guitar lessons? I'm going all the way So, okay. So, I... My older brother had piano lessons. And I was like, I... I want lessons. Because when he was doing piano lessons, I was just sitting in, like, the parlor room of whoever was giving lessons. I was bored out of my mind. I was sitting in the parlor room. Well, that's what it was. It was, like, this little waiting room. And I was just bored out of my mind. I must have been, like... biscuits six or seven right and you're just sitting there and i had a game boy probably Mm. at some point then i finally got to take guitar lessons because they didn't want us to play the same thing they wanted us to be individuals your parents yeah 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 i think that's how it happened Uh, i was little but i just liked it and and it was a piano teacher that was also teaching guitar so i learned guitar like you would teach a piano student so it wasn't like i was Mm learning like you know tabs or anything i was like reading music which is a really weird way for a 
uh, someone who now predominantly plays bluegrass to start. Um, that didn't come until like late high school that uh, I had a pastor in, uh, in high school, uh, Pastor Jason Yancey, mm. who's a fantastic banjo player, really great musician, and he actually has a lot of people in town here he knows, and he had a slot at a, um, at, like, this flat pit camp, and he was like, oh, I can't go, you just take it. So, in the flat pit camp, like, uh, Kenny and Amanda Smith and David Greer, who are, like, these pretty big folks within the bluegrass world, were teaching, and I was, you know, you're just hanging out in this living room with them, and, uh, that would have been my freshman year of college where I did that, and that was, like, the first dive in, and it's been no looking back. I remember being a young man. I was in fourth grade. I should say a boy. I wasn't a young man. I was in fourth grade. <laughs> um, and I remember I saw one of the greatest musical masterminds of our well, of our generation, uh, Jack Black. Yeah. In in the classic film, School of Rock. <laughs> yes. And. Uh, that movie actually got me really into it, and I started taking guitar lessons with this guy named Chris Cash, who to this day is, like, one of the cool... Like, just imagine this, like, quasi... So he's, like, he's part Cherokee, but he's also, like, a southern, like, true blue southern boy. Um, so grew up listening to Marshall Tucker. and But I only did that for about two years, and then I broke my arm in line skating. <laughs> <laughs> and that caused me to, like... I couldn't That's play guitar the most for a while. Early two thousands thing. Yeah, I've ever heard. yeah. Um, so that happened. So then I stopped playing, and it wasn't until like eighth grade um, that I started taking guitar lessons again, and same from the same guy, Chris. And um, one day there was a, I was getting kind of frustrated with guitar, and there was a bass on the wall, so I kind of took it off, and he heard me kind of noodling, and I was like, "Hey, you sound pretty good at that. You should think about giving that a try." So he's like, "So I picked it up. My parents immediately. It was like." Memorial, it was the Memorial Day sale at Guitar Center. Hey, no better time to yeah. buy an instrument. And so, the, like, the next day, like, my dad went out and got me a bass guitar, and um, that kind of changed the course of things. Because before, uh wasn't really into anything other than, like, extreme, quote, extreme sports. Uh, <laughs> inline skating. Yeah. Inline skating, skateboarding, BMXing, and all that stuff. At one time, I wanted to be a surfer, but... South, Greenville, South Carolina is like at least a fat six hours away from any ocean. <laughs> yeah, so it, it was Jack Black School of Rock. That's how I started okay, playing music, yes. truthfully. Amazing. The, despite the fact that my father is a music, was a music educator and choir director for the early <laughs> half of my life, and my mother was also an, an actress and director, and I grew up in, in the theater world. I, yeah. It just never was... It, it took Jack Black. So we played Mr. Brightside, which was a great pop punk anthem of, of our younger days. And we felt like it worked really well. And we're like, man, a lot of like pop punk songs would work really well as bluegrass songs. Or like folk songs. And so then obviously the next one that came up for me was Jimmy Eat World, just because they were like probably like top five favorite bands uh, growing up. And it's actually a really beautiful message as well. I know that's kind of like Maybe a little corny to say, but um, I think the more I sing this song, the more I'm like, man, this is a really great song. It's really positive. 
try your best Try everything you can Doesn't matter what they tell themselves You're away It just takes some time Little girl, you're in the middle of the ride Everything, everything will be just fine Everything, everything will be alright, alright Hey, you know they're all the directed at both of you so we as in me and whoever else may be listening that knows of Almanac Ridge know you as a bluegrass band and playing bluegrass primarily although some of the songs we played today kind of venture off that beaten path but what are some of your favorite styles to play together and individually I I mean I, I listen to a lot of everything um, so I'm kind of cool with playing everything uh, probably the things I, I most connect with would be, like, um, classical music or, you know, like, neoclassical bluegrass fiddle music kind of stuff. That's the stuff that uh, really gets me going. But I also love analog synthesizers. I think they're just, like, the coolest thing ever. One of the main groups I play with is a band called Arts Fishing Club, and that's kind of like a rock, folk rock kind of outfit. So I And I love playing that music. <laughs> I love playing music with my friends let me just put it that way yeah that's 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 the music i like playing yep. if i'm playing with people that i really love and enjoy so. same it makes all the difference mm-hmm. what about you nate um yeah i like to play bluegrass i'll play anything i like everything but i just really like bluegrass and i feel like it really gears itself towards just playing with people and whoever it's a pretty unique uh, thing to be able to just go to a thing like in Nashville, mm-hmm. the full moon picking party, or or a, almost any night of the week now, there are just these these jams. Um, whether it's like the Post, uh, the American Legion Post, or uh, or Station Inn, where you can just go there and bring an instrument, and there's a circle of people, and you can play songs, and everyone just knows the songs, and you have fun. So there's something really cool about all that, but there is nothing better than than playing with someone that you can just, like, make eye contact with, and you're like, this is what we're going to do. And you have all of that right there, and uh, that makes the most difference. Who would you say are your musical influences? Nate, we'll start with you. Um... Number one is uh, is Clarence White. He uh, he was in a bluegrass band with his brothers, uh, Roland and Eric, called the uh, 
Kentucky Colonels, but he eventually went on to join a, a little country rock outfit called The Birds. He got hit by a drunk driver while loading his gear in a car oh, at a pretty young age, so the recordings of him are pretty rare, and uh, most people will be familiar with Tony Rice, um, if you're in the uh, bluegrass guitar world, or uh, even not, he's probably the one guy you know, um, but his guitar that he played for the longest time was passed down to him by Clarence White. And it's really funny because there's like Tony Rice model specialty guitars that sell better than the Clarence White model guitar. But, he was but the it's one the who... same guitar. Oh, wow. wow. He like personally wow. modified the guitar that Tony Rice uses. You he also built the uh, built the B Bender. If you're a country music fan, you know the B Bender guitar. He was the first person to ever build one of those things. Jeff, Clarence what about White. You? Gosh, it depends the context I'm in. I so I grew up playing a lot of like CCM music and then playing a lot of pop punk music, so that's just like ingrained in my brain. Um, you know, and, and with that, like probably the two biggest influences for me as a young bassist were like Muse and Death Cab for Cutie. Um, so these kind of like indie rock, you know, I have this indie rock band, you have this like very much a rock band. Um, so that's that's where I feel really comfortable in electric bass. Now, obviously, as I got older, like Pino Palladino and people like that became huge influences on me. If I'm on upright bass, it's basically like Edgar Meyer and Paul Cowart mm-hmm. and Ethan Yodovitz. Like those guys are uh, don't I'm nowhere near those guys, and I can't even play a fraction of what they play. But I try to think like them and use the bow and get weird on it uh but if i'm writing music i i say i would still say like some of those old pop punk influences are somewhere in there yeah the 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 ethos is kind of there um but then when i got to college and i really started developing a very kind of like unique taste outside of what i was doing in high school uh all the great songwriters from you know the 60s and 70s like Joni mitchell and and James Taylor and all those guys. So that's probably who I would have to say. We all heard about how you got started, what inspired you to start, or parents or whatever, kind of Jack Black. (laughs) (laughs) But what inspires you every day to keep pursuing music and living a life that's music-centric? I like it. I just like it. I like to do it. Um, Even if I... Uh, was able to find a, you know, great paying gig outside of it, I'd I'd still play music somehow. I'd still be a part of it. Uh, For me, it's because I put distance from myself from it. Um, I grew up with, like, a really big identity as a musician, because uh, I, I was ADD and dyslexic, so I was really, I was really bad at school. Um, and music was kind of like one of the first place, places that anyone kind of informed me and was like, hey, you're really good and intelligent at this. Um, whereas I, used to, I was kind of used to getting the other side of that. Um, and for a long time, I carried that, and it became almost kind of like a burden. So I think in the past couple of years, I've like made a conscious effort to like not have my identity 
wrapped up in playing music, and that has made it much more fun and makes it much easier to do. Yeah. If you're always, I think if you're always thinking of like, oh, I got to, you know, uh, this has to be my career because everything else would leave me feeling empty and dissatisfied. You're going, yeah, Yeah. you're going to end up, ironically enough, you're going to end up feeling empty and dissatisfied because your value is, is like rooted in something that is so come and go and can just like be on fire and burning at one point and the next moment cannot be at all. Yeah. Especially if your, your value of music is if you're making money doing it or if you're Mm -hmm. supporting yourself doing it, Yeah. because then what's the next step? I mean, you're always just gonna, there, there's just no full fulfillment within that. You're just gonna Mm -hmm. be trying to make more money and it becomes about that success rather than just doing it yeah. doing it for the sake yeah. of enjoyment yeah self and i find myself doing that too i mean even though music is my job technically when i say that to somebody else they're they're like oh you see it as work and i'm like well yeah yeah it <laughs> yeah. It yeah it's also fun and but, it, but it's also my livelihood you know like I think that's a lot of times how people, mm-hmm. non-musicians, view musicians as, oh, they're just doing it for fun, they're having a good time, but for a lot of us, like in our situation, we try to make money yeah. <laughs> doing it, and that's to. what it comes down to, and you have to find the balance of enjoying it and feeling fulfilled and inspired all the time mm-hmm. to keep going, but also, you know, gotta pay the bills. It's it, This is a really privileged thing to say, because I do music for a living but like I I think it's really easy to think like your nine to five is like absolute torture which it it can be I'm not saying that it isn't but um there are parts of being uh a musician that are just as awful (laughs) uh and just like I mean I don't know if if anyone's listening and you're an entrepreneur I would say like the closest thing to it is like someone who's just started a business or not just start a business, but it started a business. And you're kind mm-hmm. of like, you can never turn off. It's yeah. always on, you yeah. know, like, yeah, you can't I ever thought about that. Even yeah. when you're on vacation, like you can't just, you can't really step away. Well, from the it, nine you know? to five, you know, you could be stressed at work or bored or whatever, however you feel. And then you come home mm-hmm. and it's done. Yeah. You can chill, you can turn your brain off, you can whatever, but if you have your own business, whether it's in music or anything, anything else, else, it's constantly on your mind. You yeah. always have mm-hmm. to think of, you know, because you're in control of mm-hmm. it. So I do work a nine to five as the only one here who does. Like when I leave, I don't look back. But you can't do that when when I'm at when I'm there. I'm thinking about the music yeah. stuff too. Mm-hmm. Like that doesn't that can't shut off. But yeah. I, one of the songs we play was written at my job that I work at. Hmm. So, like, you just, you always do it. But, but it's so true. Like, I think a lot of people don't see it as being work, playing music. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, especially sometimes um, I've come across older generations who just, they don't understand it. They try to understand mm-hmm. it, but still they're like, oh, you're a musician. You know, they kind of see it as a hobby or, oh, you make videos. Okay, so what's your real job, you know? Yeah. But 
yeah, it's we just live in a totally different time where we have so many different opportunities and options and we can create our own businesses mm-hmm. and online businesses mm-hmm. and you know we can just kind of pick and choose what we want to do and um so it's it's an interesting place and since be, people sure. don't see it as a job a lot of times you're also getting people who are like i mean everyone has had the exposure conversation too it's i mean you wouldn't pay an accountant with no money. Oh yeah, like, right. Uh, you know, it's like oh, you they're not valuing your your work card, or anything. Yeah, 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 it's. I mean, you just don't see that in other. I mean, that conversation has been worn out to death. But yeah. you just don't see it that in other professions. Yeah. Um, because a lot of people see music as a hobby. But, and art too. There's yeah. Artists, I'm sure, come yeah. across that as well. Same thing. I, I think it has also to do with like what I was talking about earlier about where we kind of tie our identities to. Mm-hmm. So I, I think if people could learn more boundaries and be like, no, like this is like you're gonna have to pay me for this or like this is my rate. I was talking about this with a couple of musicians and a couple of entrepreneur friends the other night, and uh, we were all kind of talking about you know salaries and and how we like have that conversation. Um, and in the business world, it's like very normal to talk about your salary from what Josh tells me and uh because <laughs> I'm a musician I don't know nothing about that but um you know I think a musician and like kind of being a musician like money is something that is so taboo to talk about mm-hmm. um even to a person sometimes even to the people that are paying you you know um sometimes asking like hey I, I need a per diem for this you know, like yeah. if you're if I'm gonna be out on the road these many days, like I need a premium. So I think if we had learned, if we could learn how to just be like, hey, this is our value, and like, you know, like my time, my time is valuable and it's right. worth something. I think standing up for ourselves is another big thing too. Yeah, I do a lot of the booking for Almanac Ridge, and uh, every so often someone will contact us through Facebook, which is always the first red flag for me for <laughs> mm. whatever reason. Um, but like, we'll get into the conversation. What do they need us to do? We do like private events and stuff too. And, um, you know, what do you need? What type of entertainment? How long? Where? And I had one guy like, he was way out, way out, like a two hour drive out in the, out in the hills and, uh, and still had not brought up money. And I, when I finally did... It was like, oh well, I could have another gig that might that will pay later. And it's like, I'm not gonna drive two hours there and back, Jeez, providing all please. sound That's equipment, yeah. bringing you know two other people along to be paid in in some food truck food. You know, yeah. it's I don't know. It's just mm. wild. It's just wild. What words of wisdom? do you guys have for somebody who is first starting out in the industry trying to make it as a musician whether in Nashville or just in general I think you need to find your definition of making it that's a that's a hard one because I mean I don't know to me if you make music no matter if there is $100,000 coming your way or 
a few pennies through some streams. That is money exchanging, and you are in the music industry. Mm-hmm. You are there. Um, as far as I'm concerned, if you get a couple dollars in the tip jar from playing in the coffee shops, you are in the music industry. You've made it. Um, and I think that's important to note. No matter what other people see, your art, what you're doing, has intrinsic worth and value. I love and I that. think that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, but to continue that, to make it a bigger part of your life, man, I've had to do, I've had to learn a little bit of everything. And I think it's a good thing to do that. Like I said, I do a lot of the booking. Um, if you, if you are communicating with people for the love of all things holy, get back to them quickly. Be concise in your communication and get back to people quickly because it's a waste of time otherwise. Mm -hmm. Um, whether you're booking or do if you are the venue or the artist i think communication quick back and forth everyone benefits from that um but like just learning to do a little bit of everything like i did i didn't anticipate doing all the booking but i I learned a bunch of graphic design stuff to make um just you know simple logos and and things like that you know that's a hundred dollars I don't have to pay someone, so that can go towards a recording project. Mm-hmm. I, you know, working on learning how to record yourself. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. sure you've dealt with a lot of this, Lauren. I mean, with, with, uh, you know, your editing fo- uh, videos and and learning a podcast and stuff and all this really fun, exciting stuff. Like the more you just kind of learn the social media algorithms and stuff too, because that's a big part of the game. There's like so much stuff to it. And if you're going to play with other people, um, learn how to chart. That's a real, um, and, and, and just like learn how to communicate musically as well. Um, you can't just say, oh, this kind of has a vibey thing here. Like, that, <laughs> who knows what that means? Um, yeah. Can you uh, tell you how many times I've heard that? <laughs> I never thought I was going to be a singer, and yet here we are. Same, same. Um, when we started, um, we, we also had a, a, a good buddy of ours, Mr. Riley Matthews, a uh, fantastic banjo player, and we were, like, trying to... Tim and I were, were trying to gather up a band together, and Jeff came aboard, and we had a few other people, and we were like, who's going to be the singer? And we like had to find this singer, and then we were like, well, I guess we should just do it ourselves then, and I don't know. That's another thing that you just had, you had to learn, and harmonies and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there's just, I, just, I just think you need to learn a lot. There's just too much... To the to the game, mm-hmm. and you can't rely on. And there's no one path. Necessarily. Well, exactly, no, 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 no. exactly. Yeah. And I think a and lot if, of people think there is mm-hmm. like, oh, I have to be discovered. I have to play these places because it, somebody might be there that might discover if, me. That if, might, you know, own a rec or a label or something. Yeah. And they can. If there are yeah. any singers listening today, how many times have you heard? Oh, you should audition for. Insert reality TV show yeah, right. here. Yeah. I mean, good God. But anyways, and, oh, but and if you learn a bunch of things, you might find you really like one of them. And mm-hmm. you, I mean, if yeah. you really find you love graphic design stuff and like working with Photoshop, there's so much to it and you might end up really liking one of them, being really good at it. And uh, yeah. Yeah. 
I love what you said, Nate, about what we do having intrinsic value, like whether it's playing for tips or playing, doing this, doing that as musicians, because I think a lot of the time people just starting out especially tend to compare themselves to, oh, this person's doing this, or this person's famous, and Mm -hmm. they just started playing two years ago, or, you know, things like Mm -hmm. that, but again, everybody has their own path, and it's so important to remember that, because otherwise, you know, people just get discouraged, and they quit, they move back home, and I've seen that happen, Um, but just realizing that, you know, everybody's going to have their own way of being successful, and if you feel like you're successful, then you are. Um, so I think Social that's... media fuels that. Yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. all of it. It Social media is cool. It is. Mm-hmm. It's super cool. But you're just seeing the highlights. Mm-hmm. You're not You're not seeing a lot of the other stuff. And even the, like, behind-the-scenes stuff, that, like, professional show, that's not the real behind-the-scenes <laughs> stuff. That's, like, so polished and stuff. Yeah. It's wild. I'm curious. Yep. Absolutely. So I'll say two things. And this is going to sound super cynical, um, but I really do mean it as an encouragement. You don't have to do this. And I, I think I, the reason I say that is it comes from a, a place in my life that, I, again, like I said earlier, I've been kind of learning how to, like, not attach my identity so much to, like, my career. Um, but, like, you don't have to do this. Like, the, there's so much more to life than doing music. Uh, even though I do music professionally, it's still, like, honestly one of the smallest parts of my day even though like I go and I play and I practice and I teach lessons and I work on booking and all these other things um as far as like my interior life um like what really matters is like the other art I mean sometimes it's music too but even the other forms of art or the things that I'm reading or most importantly like my friendships like those are what really matter in in life um and don't ever feel like music is the only thing you can ever do because it's just not true. <laughs> There's so much more out there that, that you can do, the listener. You can do so much more um, and do it not because you feel like you have to, but because it's something that you have the opportunity to do. And then the other thing I would say is take risks, as many risks as you can. Like, talk to people you don't think you should be talking to. Play shows you don't think you should be playing. I don't, and I don't mean that, and I don't I mean like that, that yeah, I don't mean that in, like, um, don't play, like, you're going to have to play crappy shows, like, that happens, but I, what I don't mean by that is, like, don't let people take advantage of you, but, like, if you try to get into into writer's rounds that you don't think you have any business being there, try to get co-writes of, with people that you don't think you have any business, you know, doing, take solos that you don't think you should take, write songs that you don't feel like you can write. I, I don't know. I, I spent a long time kind of building this image of myself of like, oh, well, I can do this, but I can't really do that, and I can't really do that, and I can't really do that. And I think, again, as I've gotten older and been doing this more, it's really just a matter of doing it half the time. And there's so much more that is learned in trying the things that you feel like you can't accomplish. Um than doing the things that, quote, feel comfortable um, or, like, quote, in your wheelhouse. The worst that can ever happen is someone says no, whatever that is, and that's really not that bad, you know? <laughs> like, um, yeah, that's what I'll say.
Yeah. You don't have to do this and take risks. Well, that's the beauty of being in the music industry, too, oh, yeah. and just being quote-unquote artists. Nothing's off limits for oh, us, really. Right. You know? Like, we're not climbing the corporate ladder where everything has to be done in a certain order. Structure. We can, there's, if there's an opportunity that presents itself, you know, we can, we have that opportunity and can go for it. And what what is it anymore, right? Like, you, what are the rules? Lil Nas X. Let's go there. Let's go there. I mean, he, he like made some beats or he bought some beats rather and, and, uh, put a song out that he thought was fun. And holy crap. Holy crap. And then he released that same song four four more times. (laughs) Who would have ever imagined? I mean, like, come on. And I still have listened to every single one. Every single one. If you don't got no giddy up, then giddy out my My way. way. Golly. (laughs) Mason Ramsey, man. Holy smokes, man. Like, like, that's just, I mean, if you're going to just have fun, other people Mm -hmm. can have fun with you, too. Um, and people, that's what people that. like seeing too. Yeah. yeah. You know, when you're oh, yeah. or otherwise, people just want to watch you having fun. They just want to yeah. know that you're not necessarily, although we of course take ourselves very seriously. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, they want to see that we're just having fun yeah. and kind of letting loose in. Mm-hmm. Um, because that kind of allows them to feel like, oh, okay, I can have a good time. I'm allowed to right. have fun. Yeah. 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 Um, it, like, make but, the work serious. Like, yeah. the, as right. far as, like, you know, practicing and trying to be the best writer or musician, whatever right. it is. Right. But, like, also don't take yourself too seriously because at the end of the day, it's just, it's just music and, yeah. like... It's, if it's not fun, then stop. <laughs> yeah, and like, yeah. just... <laughs> We'll we'll do one uh, that's going to be on our upcoming release that will come out at the same time as this podcast. But it's uh, called Heart of a Storm. So Almanac Ridge with Nathan. I play in a band called Arts Fishing Club. Uh, 
Love my guys. Shout out Christopher, Jimmy, Peter, and Brian. Um, I play with my boy John Hart as well. Uh, Jackson, Mississippi represent. And uh, yeah, you know, that's that's what I do. Um, those are the, the main three things that I'm kind of always orbiting around. Um, I've done some writing myself and I'm trying to figure out how to save up the money to record those songs. Um, it's more like electronic-y kind of stuff. Yeah. Nice. What about you, Nate? I, I do a, a lot with, of course, my friend Jeff here um, in a band called Almanac Ridge. It's the first time you've ever called me your friend. <laughs> well, we're on campus. Um, <laughs> it plays well with the public. <laughs> I also do a lot of writing, whether that be alone or with my girls, Tia Swanson, Emily Lipinski, <laughs> Lauren Hedrick, etc., etc. Um, yeah, those are and and Jeff, of course. Awesome. Yeah. So, what is next for Almanac Ridge? Record music. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna record somewhere for sure. I've been uh, listening to podcasts, and uh, and it just seems like the uh, golly. Like the the album, is it worth it anymore? No. Especially now, like or, or where we're at currently, like it just like the days of of small, you know, independent artists raising ten thousand dollars and going into a studio. I think just have to be over. Um, there's just it's just not worth it. Like we talked about it being like our own personal business. It's just not worth it. So what what does recording mean? We'll find out. Um, you know we've got lots of buddies with lots of home studios all over, and slash we have microphones. We have microphones and a computer. So like if you have that, you can do anything. But we also have recorded music, right? And we will be releasing that music the day that this podcast yes. comes out. Part of the reason we want to record new stuff is that I'm playing cello with the group nowadays. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and also, and so, you'll hear banjo pretty heavily featured with our good friend we mentioned earlier, Riley Matthews. Right. Who is uh, no longer with us. No longer with us. Oh. Yeah, so for those of you listening, Nate and Jeff's newest song, Heart of the Storm, is that right? Heart yeah, uh, we're going to release three songs. Okay. At the same time. Well, the song that you heard on this episode, Heart yeah. of the Storm, yeah. if you enjoyed yeah. it, go check it out on wherever you stream your music or listen to music, purchase music, all those things. And it is available now. All right. Last question. Where can our listeners find you on social media? At Almanac Ridge. Uh, that's what our handle is on everything. Uh, most things are inactive except uh, except Instagram because that's the one I understand. So Instagram and then... Yeah, Instagram's the best, the best place. New yeah. music is available. Oh, Spotify there. would be, Spotify. again, your better. It'll Spotify, be Apple Music. So this next song is called Blue Eyed Burn. I wrote this many moons ago, back when I was in school. Um, Elementary? Uh, well, college, which uh, is not okay. that much different. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, uh, this is an original.
listening to episode one of the Tune Project podcast. If you liked what you heard from Almanac Ridge, you can find them on social media, and their song Heart of the Storm, which you heard on today's episode, is now available for you to listen to. I will leave a link in the show notes to that song so you can have access to that at any time. Thanks again for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode coming soon. Yes, I heard my mother call my name in she was pouring out her heart to Jesus there And I gave my heart to Him And He saved my soul from sin Yes, I heard my mother call my name in prayer We did, what a cute we did cat a lot. collection yeah. great. Collection of cats For those of us listening at home, we'll set the scene so imagine a nineteen like twenties mill house loft. I've always great loved this tapestry this backdrop. Uh, there's instruments galore. Um, and, a guitar on the wall and, and on the cats. floor. Two cats. Super descriptive. There's carpet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's desk on my left. <laughs> now there's a cat on my left. Did the cat just wink at you?